0: What's up, people? Good day to you all. Hope you enjoyed the weekend of sports. Jamoke Davis here with you for another episode of Just For Sport. A lot happened this weekend that I am uh, quite excited about, and we are going to talk about it. I'm going to work my way backwards, So I'll start with football and the game last night that myself and Dexter Henry called on the ColorCast app, you can get it on Apple products. Hopefully it'll be on Google Play and the other phones. Then we got a lot of NBA, because the NBA season is starting tomorrow and I want to give a good amount of time to the National Basketball Association and my thoughts on the season as it is upon us. The WNBA, congratulations to the Chicago Sky, a wonderful story for Candace Parker coming home and bringing a title to Chi-Town. How exciting is that? It ended in a bit of controversy and I wonder if, okay, is that really controversy? It is. In my mind, it is, and I'll get to that. And also, I celebrate once again another weekend for Chelsea at the top of English Premier League. Only a point ahead of Liverpool, two points ahead of Man City. Brighton's in fourth place with Tottenham and Man U to round out the top six. Well, really, West Ham and Everton also have 14 points. So I guess top eight. Brentford's in ninth. The Wolves are in 10th. But I'm excited. I like what I'm seeing out of Chelsea. They have a uh, relatively what, you know, no game is easy. Each game is very important. But Norwich City is next Saturday in the English Premier League. That'll be fun. Okay, but first let's start with football. And I said I'm working my way backwards. Coming off of, and there are many games. So this is a microcosm of a macro issue, if you will. But coming off of the Boston's controversial win over the Rays and the ball careening off of the Red Sox player into the stands and the Rays could have gone up 5-4. Who knows if they won the game, didn't mean they would have won. But last night in the Steelers-Seahawks game, yes, valiant effort by the Seahawks to come back after being down 14 to nothing, to continue to fight even after defensive end for the Seahawks Daryl Taylor late in the fourth quarter you know he suffered what was a very scary injury had to be stabilized and carted off the field and for both teams to kind of you know block it out to complete the games little under three minutes left to go in the game if I remember correctly Seattle had lost four of its last five games, two in overtime. No Russell Wilson. As Dexter and I were calling the game or in color cast, yeah, you know, there was some doubt that the Seahawks even had a chance. I said before the game started. With the 2020 and 2021 Hall of Fame class that included four Steelers in one shape or form, to be honored, at halftime, I said, oh, this is the kind of game that the Steelers are going to win. Bill Cower is back. Troy Palamalu, who actually lives here, was in the area, was on hand. Donnie Shell and Alan Fanica. I said, oh, it's a lock. Steelers are going to win. But Seattle made a game of it. And of course, my issue is with the refs. Has to be with the refs. How I saw D.K. Metcalf make a catch with very, very little time left. I figured the game was over. The game was over. It was over. There is no doubt in my mind, and I doubt anybody else's mind, that that was a catch by D.K. Metcalf. And I cannot wrap my head around why the refs decided, oh, we need to review the catch. D.K. Metcalf made two football moves. He caught the ball, pauses, runs forward, and then fumbles the ball. Yeah, it was a catch. Come on, give me a break. Now, I do think the Seahawks had one second left on the clock. It did not reach zero in my mind. But for the refs to give three seconds to Seattle was ludicrous. That's probably the the angriest I had ever seen Mike Tomlin. And he was within his right, because that was ridiculous. I don't understand how the refs always, always in crucial moments can mess up a game. Even the replay headquarters can mess up a game. It simply made no sense. I do think that Geno Smith got the spike down with one second left based on the NBC clock. In my mind, it wasn't at zero. I know I've heard some people say that. But when you watch it again... The ball hits the ground, the Geno Smith spike, with one second left. There's definitely a second left on the clock. The Seahawks fumbled twice on the last two plays of the game and recovered the ball, so lucky for them. And I do think they still would have gotten that field goal. They still were within their right to get that field goal, but not to put three seconds on the clock. That was ridiculous. And if the Steelers had lost that game... I'd probably be more incensed. I think probably the Steeler faithful, with and I guess of course the people within the organization are Steeler faithful. They would have been incensed. Mike Tomlin after the game, uh, as was reported by ESPN's Brooke Pryor, quote: "I hated it." It's Mike Tomlin. That's all you need to hear. But he said more. Quote, I cannot believe that game was stopped to confirm catch, no catch in that moment. That's all I'm going to say. They asked again. He said, That's all I'm going to say. It was an embarrassment. I'd take that fine if I'm Mike Tomlin, NFL decides to give it. Because the NFL and the referees are hiding behind what is a stupid call in the fact that they can't simply make referees available. After a play, because you gotta describe why you even think that's okay. Oh, well, we had to make sure it was a catch. No, you didn't. He paused for two seconds, it seemed like, with the ball. That was a football move unto itself because he was trying to decide do I juke one way or the other? Of course, Seattle fans are mad because they said, why didn't you just run out of bounds? He was trying to get a few more yards for the field goal. He makes a couple of moves. Then he starts to go out of bounds. The ball pops out, falls on the ground. It's recovered by Lockett. Then Lockett almost rests on the ball till he realized, hold up, we don't have any timeouts. I got to get to the line of scrimmage so we can spike the ball. In all of that, somehow the refs all along were thinking, oh wait, was that a catch? No one in their right mind watching the game in person or on TV had any question if that was a catch. Do you need more competent referees? That's got to come into question. But at the very least, make the referees available after the game to answer for what was in their mind. Because that was stupidity at its best. And you were like, well, we weren't sure if that was a catch. It's an embarrassment to the National Football League. That's what it is. To the other game. This wasn't a great weekend of football by any stretch of the imagination. There were some good games, but it wasn't like in the past five weeks. You expected Tampa to win. Again, another London game that I forgot about, but exciting for Jacksonville to get their first win of the season. Beating a Miami team that I thought would be a little bit better. I actually thought the AFC East would be a little more competitive than it is. The Kansas City Chiefs, I expected them to beat the Washington football team. That was an embarrassment unto itself. How they were the debacle that came with the retirement of Sean Taylor's jersey number. Then I saw this crazy thing on Twitter. I was like... Touche, touche. It's from uh, I won't say who it is on Twitter. Maybe I don't want to. But he talked about the all of the dedications to Sean Taylor. We start with how he found a great picture of them dedicating a road to Sean Taylor, the rededication of a road in front of Porta Potties. Then the sideline tribute was in the area where VIP stands, VIPs stand. And that's where, as I will also get to, um, there was a reason why not Patrick Mahomes, certainly not Patrick Mahomes was trending, but his younger brother was trending. And I was just like, when I saw it, I was like, wait, who is this? Mahomes, why is Mahomes trending? And unfortunately, the trend was because the brother of Patrick Mahomes was standing on Sean Taylor's number. That's what was happening. And I'm watching on tw- Twitter. And Jackson Mahomes was getting killed, at least by Washington football team fans, for dancing on Sean Taylor's number. He was recording a TikTok video and he's dancing on the number. Yeah, but it wasn't fully his fault. He apologized on TikTok. And why was it not his fault? Because that's where they told him to stand. The Washington football team staff told him to stand there. So he did. He didn't know. Probably had no clue about Sean Taylor's jersey being retired. Go on with this this tweet that was epic. Talked about how the halftime ceremony involved no speeches or recognition. I was not there, full disclosure. Jamoke Davis was not there. So I've been following on Twitter what was going on. Well, apparently there were no speeches or recognition. It was just a picture. And a lower third, which is a graphic that just kind of said it. And it said the owner wore a hoodie to the pregame meeting with the family. Yep, Daniel Snyder wore a hoodie. So that kind of sums up on top of that, actually. Let's remember that this so-called announcement that was apparently planned for months was only announced two, three days before the game. Oh, yeah, we're going to honor Sean Taylor at halftime. Okay, yep, moving on. It was a debacle. So let me move on from that. I'm embarrassed for my Washington football team as an organization and as a team. And I'm tired of my family and friends saying that Taylor Heineke can be the savior for the Washington football team. No, he can't. We need a quarterback. Stop it. Stop talking about Taylor Heineke. Okay, we do not have a good quarterback. Just face it. Accept the facts, please. And if the facts change then I will change. But right now, looking at the facts, they are not good, and the quarterback is not good. Rams crushed the Giants, expected that 38-11, to even though it was West Coast traveling East Coast. Giants are bad. Giants are bad. Indianapolis, I expected them to beat Houston. They did just that. I stupidly said that this was going to be the game that I thought the Detroit Lions would win, that the Cincinnati Bungles, got to give them their respect as the Bengals, would not win this game, and Detroit would come out fired up after their coach was crying last weekend due to two straight weekends of some of the worst losses in Detroit Lions history. Check that. There have been multiple awful losses in Detroit Lions history, so it's just one in a long line of them. Green Bay beat the Bears. Aaron Rodgers saying, I still own you. I hated it. Dexter Henry called me out on Twitter like, yo, get your boy. I couldn't even get my boy. I couldn't. His record against the Bears is sick. It's ridiculous. But I did tweet out, I wonder if the owners remind Aaron Rodgers when he complains about the front office and who's that quarterback that they're drafting, et cetera, et cetera, that they say, well, we kind of own you. We pay your salary. I doubt they say that. They really shouldn't say that, but... You know, know your place. That's all I'm saying. The Chargers, oh, they failed. They did come west to East Coast and the Baltimore Ravens put a whooping on them, 34 to six. A dominant performance by the Ravens. In my mind, I think they might be the AFC representative in the Super Bowl. They looked really good, really good. Minnesota Vikings beat the Panthers. I thought Carolina would win that game. They didn't. I thought Cleveland would beat the Arizona Cardinals, but the Arizona Cardinals are not just for real, but they took care of business in Cleveland. But it is noted that Baker Mayfield left with a shoulder injury. Who knows how long he will be out, but in my mind, Cleveland is done. They're done. They're done. The Raiders beat the Broncos in Denver. I thought that the Denver Broncos would win that game. The Raiders bounced back after what was surely the worst two weeks in football for that franchise, I could imagine. There are reports that some Raiders went to John Gruden's house to say goodbye. That'd be an interesting video to see. But... Are the Raiders back? We'll see next week. They certainly show that they have uh not forgotten about the loss of John Gruden. Maybe they're dedicating this season to him if some of them behind the scenes are not happy with what happened. But hey, Raiders, they're back on track with the win. The Dallas Cowboys, see the-, the Dallas Cowboys got to win in overtime. 35 29 over New England. New England, in my mind, is not that good. They're not. They really are not. But I think that everyone wants to believe that because Bill Belichick is the coach, that they're supposed to be, you know, one of the upper echelon teams. And they're just not. And maybe Mac Jones will be good next year or the year after that, but he's just not that good. And I think we're overrating the New England Patriots and the Cowboys go in and get a win in overtime. Granted, I thought it shouldn't have gone to overtime. Maybe the Cowboys look good, but still a little overrated. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers, as I mentioned, they beat the Seattle Seahawks in overtime 23 to 20. You know, all through the fourth quarter, Dexter and I calling the game on Colorcast app. were just waiting, waiting for Geno Smith to have a turnover. T.J. Watt was playing great. He's earning his money. He's playing like the superstar, the top defensive player he is. He recorded two sacks and forced a fumble in overtime of one Geno Smith. Steelers kick a field goal, win an OT, game over. Game over. Tonight, It's the Tennessee Titans hosting the Buffalo Bills. So that's the other team that's really, really good in the AFC, are the Buffalo Bills. They're 4-1, Titans are 3-2. This is a big game for Tennessee. A huge... So this is the other team in the Buffalo Bills at 4-1 that I think... You know, as it stands, I feel like you're going to see the Buffalo Bills and the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC Championship game. But the Tennessee Titans, if they win this game, they could make some noise. They could make some noise with a win. Because you'd be beating. What some people said is, and and I feel that way too before this weekend and what Baltimore did to the Chargers, that the Buffalo Bills are the best team in the AFC. But I tell you what, I like what the Ravens are doing too. The Bills have a good defense, but let's see what they do in the playoffs. They didn't do so well last year in the playoffs. So yeah, regular season, they're four and one. If they win tonight, they'd be five and one. But if they lose tonight, they're four and two. And yeah, so would the Texans excuse me, the Titans be right at the top of the AFC South. The Texans are actually one and five. So this should be a really, really fun game to watch. And I hope it's competitive. I hope it's competitive. Now the Bills are predicted to win the game. They are favored. As is expected. I feel like with the Tennessee Titans, you never know which team you're gonna get from week to week. The Bills are favored at minus six, over under at 53. Moneyline minus 305 for the Bills, plus 240 for the Titans. Well, I think there's going to be a different game. I hope we get a good game. But I think in this situation, playing in Tennessee, the Bills defense is the best in the NFL at number one, of course. The Titans are at ninth. They really can rush the ball. With Derrick Henry, offenses are about even, passing games about even. It's gonna come down to, really, if Derrick Henry is able to be Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is not only having a great season, again, he's the first player with 600-plus rushing yards and seven rushing touchdowns through the first weeks of a season since Terrell Davis, the Hall of Famer, did it in 1998, won MVP and the Super Bowl that season. The Bills have won four straight games by 18-plus points, tied for the second longest streak in the Super Bowl era. The 99 Rams, whoo, they were good, did that too. Not that this matters, but the since the Houston Oilers moved to Tennessee. Shout out to Warren Moon. We talked about him last night. The team is 8-4 against the Bills since 1997. Here is the key. Through week five, the Bills have not played a team this season through week five with a winning record. So this really is the biggest contest for the Buffalo Bills. And I think Tennessee will win the game. I think they went outright. But I could see a scenario where the Bills narrowly beat the Titans. But I'm taking the Titans. I'm taking the Titans. Major League Baseball. I know. I'm going to get to basketball. Hold on. The Braves have a 2-0 lead on the Dodgers. They've had two walk-off games. Two straight walk-off games against LA. Does that mean it's the Braves year? I think so. Granted, you can say a series doesn't start until both teams play at home. But the Dodgers starting pitching is kind of shaky with some, you know, tired arms. No Clayton Kershaw is not only proving to be, you know, could be the the reason the Dodgers don't, just get back to the World Series, not repeat as champs. But I feel like it's one of those things where this could be the Dodgers' year. Now, teams have bounced back from down 0-2. And you can go back to 2020 in the NLCS. And that's exactly what the Dodgers did to the Braves last year. So it's possible. They trailed 2-0 and then 3-1. They were even down in game five and came back to beat the Braves. I don't see it happening this year. But the worst part for me personally, of it not happening, is going back to the Nationals. Why? Why trade Max Scherzer? Why, even if you wanna say, okay, well, Max Scherzer was you know an older player, maybe we weren't gonna re-sign him for a big contract but you also gave away Trey Turner. Okay, so the season wasn't that good. But I think the key was the Trey Turner part. You gave away a young player for younger draft pick players. When everybody knows also a part of what you were dealing with was a bullpen that wasn't great, but they did it. They won the World Series without a great bullpen. But you also had a, you know, Patrick Corbin wasn't the same. Uh, we know Steven Strasburg hasn't been able to stay healthy. And it's just sad to think you sit here and you, you know, trade away a Hall of Famer, Max Scherzer, and a great young talent in Trey Turner. And it won't work out for either teams. The Dodgers aren't going to get back and win the World Series. So, I mean, I guess you could say it worked out for them that they'll be able to keep Trey Turner, which isn't a bad get. But in the immediacy of this season, why? Why? It just makes me sad. Houston Astros on the American League side have some pitching issues. I fully expect and predict that overall it's gonna be the Boston Red Sox and the Atlanta Braves playing in the World Series. Book it. The Atlanta Braves were formerly the Boston Braves, which I also find that that's an interesting storyline for those of you that did not know that. Atlanta started as Boston's team. But not to get ahead of myself, the Houston Astros are coming to town in Boston, and I'm curious if the Boston Red Sox fans will boo Houston. Houston, I still, you know, there's still players on that team that cheated, but there's also a manager of the Boston Red Sox and Alex Cora, who also was a member of the Houston Astros during their cheating scandals. So if you're Boston, you're like, well, we're okay with him as a manager, even though he's kind of a cheater too. Uh, And now who's in the playoffs but Boston? So if you think in totality of, okay, the character of the coach player, is Boston cheating? Maybe not trash cans, but maybe in a digital way? Maybe some spies with some binoculars in the stands looking at the catcher signs. Who knows? But that's the one thing that I think will be interesting tonight as the Boston Red Sox, uh, Rodriguez versus Urquidy for Houston on the mounds. Series is tied at 1-1. And I think Boston gets that. Yeah, of course, as I say every time, you can look at the odds. But once again, it's uh, one and a half games. Houston's favorite, Jose Urquidy, is on the mound versus Walter Rodriguez. I'm taking the Red Sox at plus one and a half, over under at nine. I'll take the under at plus 100. Then tomorrow is Braves-Dodgers. Charlie Morton versus Walker Buehler. I think this is the Braves year. And I think it's also Boston's year. Who 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 knew at the beginning of the season that it would be the Boston Braves or rather Boston Red Sox versus the Boston Braves. But now the Atlanta Braves as I got I confused myself basically. Confused myself basically what I was saying. All right, there's no confusion about the National Basketball Association. I'm excited for the season to begin. How could you not? This is gonna be fun. But first, I wanna give a shout out to the Chicago Sky. They were the sixth seed, the sixth seed in the WNBA Finals. It was a wonderful story of Candace Parker coming back home Some thought she was washed up. Instead of staying with the LA Sparks, she said, I'm coming home to Chicago and I'm gonna win a title. And they won a title, her second WNBA title. It was amazing to see her win. It's just beautiful to see her and her daughter hugging. After they won the title, I'm sure she's gonna be on cloud nine when the NBA season gets started. Who knows? She may already be in Atlanta getting ready to call, you know, to be in the studio for games. She's getting ready for her second season. It's just a beautiful story. And I used to live in Chicago, so... There's a part of me that I'm happy to see Chicago win it. And something good happening for Chi-Town. Now, two things that happen in the game, I'm like, yeah, but it's still a WNBA. And for people to talk about the caliber of basketball in the WNBA. Yes, it's the best of women's basketball. But the layups, the Phoenix Mercury missed at the end of the game. Toward, you know, that fourth quarter, the fourth quarter run where The Chicago Sky were down 16. And basic layups, basic layups that were missed by the Phoenix Mercury with the GOAT, as they call her. Diana Taurasi and Brittany Griner on that team. You don't miss those layups if you call yourself the best of the best. You don't. And I've I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, you can miss jumpers. You can go cold, but not the kind of layups they were missing. That was sad. And I'm sure, you know, giving up a 16-point lead, missing easy layups the way that they were, of course they you know, add it to the drama by not wanting to talk to the media after the game. And I don't like that. From any team, any player. I understand with, you know, we've been talking a lot about mental health. And if we're going to now say, well, You know, because I saw some things on Twitter, like, "Hey, they just lost a tough game," and Diana Taurasi apparently was so mad that she, you know, uh, smashed in the door in the visitors' locker room at the arena. What I'm simply saying is, if we're going to say that mental health is so important that players are will not be made available after the game because they are distraught or angry and don't want to say the wrong things. I'm good with that. But let's make it a rule across the board. Players will be available the next day. To say, which it is in the rule book, that in the WNBA, players can be made available either pre-game or post-game. I don't like that. Especially when you're talking about You know, maybe somebody's not watching on TV. Maybe somebody is just reading a story. So journalists have a story to tell. Maybe somebody can't watch the whole game, but they're going to watch a recap of it, either online or on a newscast. There's a job to be done by journalists out here. And when you become a professional athlete, and even in college, but I get that there is some gray area when we're talking about college, because we're talking about, in some cases, young kids, players should be made available. They should be able to talk. And no, it's not going to get the same kind of attention as if it happened in the WNBA Finals or the Super Bowl. But it also means that doesn't matter. It's disgraceful. You lost, you talk about it, maybe only one player's made available, someone to speak up for the team. That's all we ask, that's all we ask. Now I've asked you to stay here with me for almost 40 minutes, as I still have not gotten to the NBA. But it's that time. It's that time for the season to start And I am truly, truly excited. There is some drama still. Mostly around Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons. Which, by the way, is an aside. I'm not going to get to it. We're talking about vaccinations. Cam Newton did get vaccinated because he wants to play in the NFL. He's tired of sitting around. Just do it. Take the shot, please. Let's move on. Now, I do like Kevin Durant's new quote, if you will. What is being mad going to do? And he's right. In this situation, what is it really going to do? Nothing. This is all Kyrie Irving's decision. And if you let it make you mad, then that probably does affect your mental health, your ability to play the game as you have to keep looking over on the the bench and seeing Kyrie sitting there. As a player, you hear Kyrie saying, yeah, we're gonna let it go. We're gonna keep playing basketball. I get it. I do get it. Ben Simmons is not in game shape. So it's going to take some time, I guess, for him to get on the court. He don't want to lose that money. That's really what it comes down to. He doesn't want to be in Philly. But now he's got to play like a professional and try his best to Make himself a viable candidate for a trade, if you will. That's the other big storyline in my mind is Ben Simmons, because for both Kyrie and Ben Simmons, I think there are several teams that, outside of vaccination, as I've as I've mentioned, if you're not in New York and LA, you should be thinking about Kyrie Irving. especially if you're an East Coast team because that means you're barely going to play in LA. You're talking four games. And then against New York, obviously, if you are not in the same division, As the Brooklyn Nets. And it does not say across your jersey. Philadelphia, New York, Boston or Toronto. Then yeah, you can make that trade. Because you are going to play. Two, three games. Maybe in New York. And you're fine. Now, granted, I did say that I think the trade between Philly and Brooklyn is a great trade for both teams. It's an even swap. Hey, you take Kyrie, we'll take Ben. Let's both move on and let's get ready for the season. Obviously, the front office doesn't think that way because the trade has not been made yet, but that's the one I think they should make. Now, let's get to, as the season is starting on Tuesday, What team is going to win the NBA championship? Now, checking out DraftKings, and you can go to PropsHQ.com to see more of the odds for different sports books. We'll start with DraftKings. They've got the Brooklyn... Nets favorite at plus 205, followed by the Lakers at plus 400, and the Bucks at plus 900. I don't know if the Nets can win without Kyrie. I do think they have a deep roster. I do find it not quite like the Lakers, but I feel like no one's necessarily talking about that they have a rather old roster with Patty Mills, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, Paul Millsap, Bruce Bowen, all on, you know, combined, their contracts are worth 18.5 million dollars. But I I don't know. Because of the age, their roster may seem deep now, but as the season wears on, so may some of these older players. Now, what I want to see, if you're asking me what finals I want to see, yeah, I want to see Lakers-Nets. If nothing else, because we'll get to see what I think could have been a dynasty and James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Russell Westbrook all on the court at one time in the NBA Finals, albeit not for the same team. How about that? Lakers trade Russell Westbrook to the Nets for Kyrie Irving. I know you couldn't do that because then you have the California thing. Oklahoma City had a chance to be a dynasty. They blew it up. They blew it up before they knew what was, what was right in front of them. But to think that the defending champs, Milwaukee Bucks, aren't really in the conversation. No one's talking about Milwaukee, which maybe is good for Milwaukee. They're at plus 900. The Warriors are at plus 1100. The value... I see that you should try to get now could be the 76ers at plus 2,000. They were close last year. I think they've got a legit chance to get back. Even if Ben Simmons is fine, I'll play this year. I'll I'll play. But if he doesn't, you know whatever they're gonna get back is gonna be you know, a player of import, if you will. They're going to get a stud, a superstar point guard. They have to. I think Kyrie could be great for them because then maybe Joel and B can get back to his post game instead of having the you know be a stretch four, stretch five, if you will, because he's also trying to um, adjust his game to Ben Simmons, who has no outside shot, and he too needs to post up players. The Denver Nuggets, with the reigning MVP, Nikola Jokic at plus 2,000, and the return of Jamal Murray? What you talking about? Don't sleep on them. It's bad for your health. So on both sides of the conferences, those are my sleepers. If you want even deeper sleepers, you can get the Mavericks at plus 2,800. I don't see it. The Heat at plus 2,500. Remember, they were two seasons out of being in the NBA Finals in that bubble season down at Disney World. The Hawks at plus 3,500. They made some noise last year. Maybe they can build on that. The Celtics at plus 4,000. And the Trailblazers, who you want to believe Dame Lillard can lead them there, but at plus 8,000, it's not likely. Memphis Grizzlies at plus 10,000, probably not likely. But there are some teams out there you could take a flyer on. The Knicks are also at plus 10,000. You think they could get there? I don't think so. The Raptors are at plus 25,000. How did they fall off the map? Just because You don't have Kyle Lowry anymore? We'll see. I didn't even mention the Clippers and the Jazz who are mixed up in there at plus 1,500 and the Clippers at plus 1,700. So the Clippers have been kind of written off. So, you know, maybe that's good for them. But if they're healthy, yeah, the Nets are the favorite. I think that the Bucks got some lucky bounces last year that didn't necessarily have to do with the bouncing of the ball, but the health of the Nets. And hey, that's how it goes. That's just how it goes. The Bucks won their championship, good for them. Good for them. I don't know, the Lakers I don't know if the Warriors have enough to beat them but I think if it's any team that can beat them I would pick it I would pick the Clippers and you can get them at plus 1700 Phoenix Suns made a good run can they get back this may have been their best shot with Chris Paul last season at winning the the title. And they couldn't do it. I don't see it this year. I don't. You don't want to just pick NBA Finals. There's some good value at Eastern Conference winner. Not quite the same as NBA Finals. But Lakers are favored to win the West at plus 195. Warriors at plus 550. Clippers at plus 650. Nuggets at plus 900. To win the East, you got Brooklyn at plus 100. Milwaukee plus 390. Celtics plus 1,800. Raptors plus 10,000. Sixers plus 750. Awards, NBA awards, as I close out the show talking about different awards. Luka Doncic is favored. To win the MVP at plus 380. Kevin Durant at plus 600. Joel Embiid at plus 800. Giannis at plus 800. Steph Curry plus 900. Dame Lillard, Damian Lillard plus 1,400. Nikola Jokic, the reigning MVP, plus 1,500. LeBron James plus 1,800. Remember LeBron James put that tweet out. He's like, I see you. All of these, uh, I think it was sports writers. It might have been executives that were voting who they think would be MVP this year and LeBron got no votes. Trey Young, plus 2,000. James Harden, plus 2,000. Devin Booker, plus 2,500. I'm going this deep on the West because I feel like all of these players could have a shot at it. Winning MVP, Jason Tatum at plus 3,000. I doubt that. Same for Donovan Mitchell and Paul George. I think if you're asking me who I pick for MVP this year, I mean, if you don't have Kyrie, I think Brooklyn's gonna go as Kevin goes. And one other thing is I, that I meant to mention about health as I was talking about how the Bucks were able to win the championship last year, that is the reason why it's hard to pick the Nets, not just because of Kyrie and the back, Kyrie in the vaccine, but James Harden and Kevin Durant all dealt with health issues, and they got all these older players on the team. So you never know. In my mind, you just don't know. Rookie of the Year, Jalen Green plus two hundred, Cade Cunningham plus. 300. Jalen Suggs plus 750. Evan Mobley plus 900. Alperin Sengun at plus 1300. No. But I like as a sleeper pick Scotty Barnes in Toronto plus 1400. That's my sleeper pick right there. Florida State. Montverde Academy. Think about that one. Think about that one. Now the thing is He doesn't have the green light like Jalen Green does at plus 200 and the motorcade in Detroit and Cade Cunningham. So I get why those two are the favorites. Cade Cunningham, a former teammate at Montverde of Scotty Barnes. But look, just keep an eye on him. Keep an eye on him. Most improved player of the year. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. got the contract. He's a favorite at plus 1,000. I mean... Yeah, how could you not think of him? There are three juniors listed for most improved player. Michael Porter Jr. at plus 1,000. Kevin Porter Jr. also at plus 1,000. Jordan Poole at plus 1,200. And Jaron Jackson Jr. at plus 1,600. Zion Williamson plus 2,000. If he can stay healthy, maybe. I doubt it. Shai Gilgis Alexander at plus 1,800. Christian Wood is my sleeper at plus 3,000. He was hurt last year for part of the season. If he can stay healthy, watch out for him in Houston. With Jalen Green, that young lineup, sorry, John Wall, hope he gets traded. I actually think he might be a good trade for Brooklyn. Kyrie, go to Houston. John Wall, come up here. Play with us. Again, yeah, he may not be able to shoot the three well. He's got speed. He's a banger. His defense isn't any worse than Kyrie. But you're not gonna need him to shoot just like you don't really need Ben Simmons to shoot. Health-wise, Kyrie gets hurt too. Kyrie takes mental health days off and obviously the vaccine. So even if you're like, ah, oh, John Wall, I don't know about his health, come on. Get over that. That's not a bad pick. But but John Wall makes a lot more money. My sleeper, Christian Wood, Houston. Sixth man of the year. I think Jordan Clarkson's gonna lock that up at plus six hundred. Tyler Hero right behind him at plus a thousand. Tyler Hero's got to bounce back in his third year in the league. Wasn't a good season last year for him. I like Joe Ingles at plus 1,300. I was surprised. I was really surprised. In my fantasy, two of my my basketball fantasy leagues, no one took Joe Ingles. He's still out there as a free agent. I may pick him up. Kevin Herter is another one, plus 1,600 for Atlanta. That's a nice one. Lastly, Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, you got to give it to Rudy Gobert, plus 340. Behind him, Ben Simmons at plus 400, but we don't even know if Ben Simmons is going to play. Where he's going to play. Anthony Davis plus 650. He gets hurt too much. I don't see it. Miles Turner plus 750. Nobody's paying attention to what's going on in Indiana. Joel B 900. Maybe as a sleeper. Maybe. Clint Capella down Atlanta plus 4,000. Maybe as a sleeper. I think Rudy Gobert's got that locked up. And considering I actually have to pick a team to win the NBA Finals, I think the way this plays out is Kyrie Irving is finally traded. The Nets get the point guard they need. And I think that's either Ben Simmons or John Wall as the two most viable options that are the easiest, even trades. Yep, you take him, we'll take him. And I think the Nets cut down the Nets and win the NBA championship. But, it all starts tonight. It's gonna be a fun NBA season. I'm really looking forward to the first games coming up tomorrow. We've got on TNT, the Brooklyn Nets at the Milwaukee Bucks and the Golden State Warriors at the Los Angeles Lakers. So the four teams that are favored to win the NBA championship, that. Is great scheduling as your first games on Tuesday, October 19th. October is the best month in sports. Okay, now we're looking at the games as I end the show. We've got the Nets favorite at minus one and a half. It's gonna be ring ceremony night, I imagine, for the Bucks. Without Kyrie Irving. Bucks fired up. I'm taking the Bucks at plus one and a half to win that game. Over under at 237 and a half. I'm gonna take the over. I think both of these teams are gonna light it up. They won't be missing layups like the Phoenix Mercury did in the WNBA Finals. Money line, minus 125 for the Nets. Bucks at plus 105. I'm taking the Bucks. Second game, Warriors at the Lakers. The Lakers are favored at minus three and a half. Over under at 228. I'm gonna take the over in that game. I think both teams gonna be excited. To be playing basketball again, I'm taking the Lakers, favorite at minus three and a half. Warriors, money line plus 140. Lakers minus 160. So, Bucks win, Lakers win to kick off the NBA season. And that'll do it for Just for Sport. I'm looking forward to another NBA season, Major League Baseball playoffs, and Monday Night Football. Enjoy sports, everybody. And shout out to Chelsea Blues at the top of England Premier League. Let's go Blues! Ciao for now.